Baker and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today we're chatting with Amy Atherton of the food blog Amy's Healthy Baking and author of Healthier Chocolate Treats, Breakfast, Snacks, and Desserts for Every Chocoholic. Based in California, Amy teaches bakers of all abilities how to satisfy their sweet tooth with healthy and yummy treats. I am so excited to welcome Amy to the podcast. Hey, Amy. Hi, Liren. You are just the sweetest person. That was such an amazing intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the description actually applies to you because you are definitely one of the kindest, most thoughtful people I have met in this whole blogging journey. And I mean, even on Instagram, where people are always like, yum, you always have something sweet and thoughtful and personal to say. And I really appreciate that in this not so social social media world. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna make me blush. It's a good thing it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I always start by asking, what's the first thing you ever baked and how old were you? So the first thing that I remember baking all by myself, I did some baking with my parents where, you know, they let me play with the dough or whatever. But the first thing I tried to make all by myself were these strawberry surprise muffins. Um, and I even looked at the cookbook. It's from the pretend soup cookbook and it's geared towards kids. And so every recipe is a span of four pages. The first two pages are sort of for the adults where all the text is. And then the next two pages are where all of the pictures are. So you just follow the pictures and follow the instructions to get to the end. And so I was about seven years old and I wanted to make these strawberry surprise muffins all by myself. So I sent my mom and brother upstairs <laughs> and I decided <laughs> I was going to do it. I wasn't allowed to use the oven. So I was just going to get it to the point where they were in the muffin tin and put in the, the oven and have my mom help me. But the funny part was I didn't realize that there were four pages. I only thought there were the two for the little kids. Oh. <laughs> and so the problem with the pictures is that there were no measurements. It just said mix together the flour and the baking powder and the salt. And so I, I go upstairs in my seven-year-old kid little way and say, Mom, if you were going to bake muffins, hypothetically, you know, like <laughs> – how much of each, each ingredient would you use? So I totally ruined the surprise. There were no, no way it was a surprise for my mom, but that was the first thing I tried to make for these strawberry surprise muffins. And it was a muffin with a whole hulled strawberry in the middle as Aww, the surprise. That's so, so cute. I love the title yeah. of that cookbook. Was there like a soup recipe in there too? And why was it pretend? I, I don't remember. I'm sure there was. And I think it, the tagline is pretend soup plus real recipes or something like that. But it was by the authors of the Moosewood cookbook. And my mom and my dad love the Moosewood cookbook and that whole um, thing. So they, they had gotten this pretend soup cookbook for us kids. That's so cute. It kind of reminds me of when I was little and I would kind of like make pretend food. Like I'd be outside, like just grabbing things like the wild mushrooms and moss and leaves and twigs and calling it food. <laughs> That's better than me. I had a pretend play kitchen that I got when I was three and I would just do it with the air. So if you had, you know, the moss and the wild mushrooms and like leaves and grass, that, that was better than my air make-believe food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> was that the, the kitchen set like mega Santa present that you got when you were like three? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, like little tykes or Fisher or something like that. And where oh, how cute. the whole set. Eventually when I was, you know, probably five, my parents or Santa got me plastic foods, like plastic eggs, plastic bacon, plastic cookies, so that there would actually be something for me to put on the plate instead of air at the end. But Aww. yeah, I love that little kitchen. Gosh, I think that's like every kid's dream gift. Well, at least maybe like our, <laughs> like I know yeah, my kids, every that was like their favorite. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I can't say for all. So could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and you know what you did before Amy's Healthy Baking? Absolutely. So I started as a chemistry major. Well, scratch that. I started as a nutrition major um, oh. in college. So I, I was always interested in food and healthy baking. And um, I had a bucket list in high school where I actually wrote work on a bakery on my bucket list. So that was always something I wanted to do, but I was also really interested in health and I loved the Cooking Light magazine and all that sort of stuff. So I thought that baking and healthy and nutrition just made sense. So I went to UC Davis for nutrition, realized after the first quarter that it wasn't for me. And partially it was, um, I'm such a nerd, the classes weren't hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Where I loved the hard sciences and there were two different levels or three different levels of science. Um, at UC Davis and the nutrition was taking the easiest of the three levels. And so I decided I want to do something harder. I want to actually challenge my brain the way that I know that I can. So I decided mm-hmm. I was going to do chemical engineering, realized after the first quarter of that, that wasn't for me. So I went to straight chem with an emphasis in organic chemistry. And so when I was a junior and senior, I was working in this chem lab um, on campus in an organic chem lab basically acting like a mini grad student where I had my own project. We were doing the synthesis of these small molecules with anti-cancer potential, sending them off to be tested. And I would work all week in the lab and then go to classes. I would do my homework on the weekends. But by Friday, I was always so tired that I forgot to make plans with friends. So I would just spend Friday nights on my own, on my own exhausted. And I realized, you know, I should actually have something to look forward to on Fridays. I'm going to cook my way through the alphabet. And I told one of my friends about it. She said, that sounds like Julie and Julia. You should start a blog. I said, in what free time? You know, I'm like working 10 hours a week between classes and research. I'm doing all my homework on the weekends. I have zero time. And a week later, I called my brother and I said, what's a blog? <laughs> <laughs> and he had to explain the difference between a website and a blog to me. Because I said, I think I just want a website. I don't want a blog. He goes, no, that, like a blog is a special type of website. That's what you want to do. So he sort of walked me through how to get started. And so each week I would cook something with the next letter of the alphabet. Um, and my rules for myself were it either had to be something I never tried to make before or if I had, I had to come up with my own recipe completely from scratch. Um, so I did oh, that. Wow. Yeah. For the most part, I think I only picked G granola was the only one I had to come up with from scratch. Everything else I said, ah, like I want to follow a recipe, just do something different. Um, so I did that for 26 weeks. And by the end of the 26 weeks, I realized this is just really fun. I'm going to keep going as a hobby, as something fun to do in the evenings and on the weekend. And I was just posting you know, I made a panini for dinner. Here, here's a picture of it. Or, you know, like I made a pasta salad or I made cookies. And so it wasn't anything really involved while I was in college. Um, Well, back then it was, blogging was a lot simpler. There weren't so many rules. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Cause I started in 2010. So it'll be 11 years this October um, that I've, that I've had the blog and you're right. It's so different and there's good things about both. And it's amazing that were able to create this career at, using blogging as a platform, which wasn't so prominent back then. When no. I think you started around the same time too, right? Sort of yeah. like 2010, 2011. Yeah, just 2010, January. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was it was year. very different back then. You could just take one picture, maybe two, and just throw up the recipe. And 
there is no such thing as, you know, Instagram had just barely started there, you know, no Snapchat, no TikTok, no, you know, whatever. Maybe you had a Twitter, maybe you had a Facebook page, but it, it was different and it was fun then and it's still fun now, but that's, that's sort of the way I got started. It was as a hobby, just like I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's interesting too, to think about how much it has changed and how now there are so many quote unquote rules. And back then pretty much people called it the wild west because it kind of was. And I do remember meeting a girl on this press trip once and her thing was that she, she blogged every day and it was just very, very much like, here's what I ate or this is what I wore or like really simple. Right. And now I think about it, like, that's like an Instagram story. (laughs) And back then that was part of blogging. Like it could have been as simple as that. And no one was chasing SEO or anything you know, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> analytical, but so alphabet adventures. So you made it from A to Z. I have to ask what you did for a letter X. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but Quetzalcoatl. It was a Mexican hot chocolate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause there's almost nothing that starts with X. So, so that what, was the one thing that it was worked. that like, <laughs> And what was the most challenging of the A to Z? Was it like, were you regimented? Like it had to be every day or was it every week? Like, like how? Did- yeah. So it was, it was um, either Friday or Saturday, so okay. either Friday night or I'd buy the ingredients on Friday and then make it on Saturday. But I would spend the whole week researching and looking up what food starts with the letter T, what food starts with the letter, you know, whatever. Um, so I give myself sort of a, a, you know four or five days to look at different recipes and pick one. And then I would just make it on the weekends. So eventually you started to share more healthy baking. So I have to ask, what does healthy baking look like to you? Different than when I started. And that's something I've actually wrestled with, to be honest, um, because, and it's only been recently, like within the past couple of months that I've realized, yeah, my blog is 11 years old and I've changed a lot as a person in the past 11 years. And so my definition of healthy baking and my definition of healthy eating can change a lot in that amount of time too. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, um, this was when I was still really into cooking light and that whole philosophy and their, their thing back then, it was just sort of lightened up versions, sort of lower fat, lower calorie. And so that's where I started, um, just trying to make things a little bit lighter. And over time, I sort of dove into more cleaner recipes with less refined ingredients. Um, I have family members that are lactose intolerant, so I've done a lot of dairy-free. Uh, I have a family member who's allergic to eggs, so I know how to do vegan. And so I just started to pick up all these different aspects that people consider healthy. But the thing is, I think everybody is allowed to have their own definition of a healthy because every body is different. And so what feels good and tastes good to my body is going to be different than you is going to be different than every reader out there. And so I think everybody should be allowed to have their own definition of healthy. But for me, it's using mostly nutritious ingredients without sacrificing the taste or texture and just trying to get that lightened up sort of lower calorie version. But again, taste and texture is so important. If you don't like what you're eating, it doesn't matter if it's healthy. Right, right. (laughs) You probably just have a tiny bit of that and move on to the stuff that maybe you shouldn't be having. (laughs) But I really like that you acknowledge that healthy can be different to every person. Um, I think I think that's something that we all forget about. Like we're all just so eager to find. Okay, it says healthy. I'm gonna, you know, and you really need to think: Is this type of healthy what I need and what my body requires? So that's a really good distinction. 
Absolutely. Because I know that there are a lot of superfoods out there that people love that I'm actually allergic to. So it would Mm. be detrimental to my health to eat something like an avocado or a mushroom or, you know, all these different things that are considered healthy, but not to me because my body would react. I'd be sick for a whole week. And I think that it's important to keep that in mind that just because one person says it's healthy might not mean that it's healthy for you. And just to take everything with a grain of salt and realize that you know your body best and that even doctors might not know your body as well as you do. That is so true. What are your tips to people who are trying to bake more healthy? Like, are there a certain ingredients that you like to substitute or use in place of other things? Yeah, I'm sure you know this. I love Greek yogurt. That is my big thing. Yeah. Um, And I've loved it for years. It just, it creates a really nice moist texture in things like muffins and scones and cupcakes. And the, the thing is though, and people don't always realize this, you do need some amount of fat in things like the muffins, the scones, the cupcakes to get that right texture. Mm-hmm. So you can't entirely replace it and still get the same texture, but you can really reduce it. And that's where Greek yogurt is sort of my magic unicorn ingredient where it just, it's, it's so versatile and comes in handy. I used it to make frosting before. It's incredible. Oh yeah. Greek yogurt's the best. It doesn't, you know, I just, you could use it for so many different things and you're right. Like for, it does add moisture. It adds a little extra protein too, which is nice. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so in terms of nutritional value, do you, how do you calculate that? Cause you offer for all of your recipes and I wonder, do you work with a nutritionist or do you just plug it into some sort of formula? Yeah. So I use the spark recipes calculator and I found that it's, it's pretty good because you can look up individual ingredients. And what I can do is I can look at those individual ingredients and look at the label of what I have in my pantry and see, Oh, is that correct? Yes. It's safe to use. No, Mm -hmm. somebody typed that in wrong. Probably shouldn't. And worst case scenario, I will just use an Excel spreadsheet and calculate it all myself. But oh, you're so good. <laughs> I'm a total nerd. My mom jokes, I think, in Excel spreadsheets, and it's so true that <laughs> I'm just like, that's how I'm oriented. But this was before, because I've been blogging for 11 years, and I wanted to know back then, and this was before it, all those um, recipe plugins had the calculators yeah. for you. So I'm, in a way, quote unquote, old school. I know, like, old school using the internet tools probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but I still do it all myself um, using the Spark recipes and then uh, Excel spreadsheet if I have to. Yeah. Those plugins are a godsend. They really do help. Even though they're not that accurate, it at least gives you a ballpark. So, but it's nice yeah. that you know how to do it the old school way. And I think, how do you... especially... go ahead. Oh, no, no. Continue. I was going to say with recipe plugins now, because when you, you, you and I first started, there were no recipe plugins. So when you wanted to print a recipe from a blog, you either had to copy and paste it into a Word document or you would end up printing, you know, 10 pages of this is what I ate and this is what my kids were saying and this is a picture that's not even related. And so I just, I love that recipe plugins exist for the ballpark nutrition, for the easy print function, for everything. It's just been great that blogging has evolved in that sense. Oh, thank goodness. I have to ask how you feel about uh, sugar alcohols because I personally, I'm like not crazy about the taste. So I'm always curious for someone who, you know, does more healthy baking. Like, how do you feel about them? So this is where being a chemist kind of comes in handy too, uh, because I think with a lot of no calorie sweeteners, people don't fully understand what they are and what they're not. And granted, I went to school for chemistry. I haven't practiced chemistry. So take all of this with a grain of salt, do your own research, talk to a dietitian, talk to your doctor. But 
with no calorie sweeteners and a lot of sugar alcohols fall under that category. Some fall under the there are fewer calories, like it's 10 calories per teaspoon instead of 15. Um, but our body doesn't recognize them and can't chew them, chew them up to process them. Um, and I'll circle this back to your question of taste. I promise. Mm. Um, no, no, no. Take but... your time. <laughs> this is so interesting. I feel like I'm in class. <laughs> um, I've had to explain this to a couple of friends. And so I finally came up with the analogy of Legos. So if you have this, you know, like little Lego house that you've built, you, and then you want to take it apart to build something else. That's what your body does with the food it eats is it ingests, you, you, you ingest the Lego house and then your body will break it apart into all these individual components. Mm-hmm. And um, if it doesn't recognize what a component, it, component is, it just eliminates it and it, it goes out your body. And so with no calorie sweeteners or fiber or stuff like that, um, your body doesn't recognize it and doesn't have a way to break it apart. It's almost as if you had super glued the Legos together. And so it says, I can't break this apart. I'm just going to pass. I'm just going to pass it. I'm just going to pass it through. Pass it through. To things like sugar, alcohols, and no calorie sweeteners because they're lower calorie and they think it'll be healthier. And to me, I think that if you're okay with the taste, use it. If you're not, don't. Because, and your body is okay with what happens after you ingest it. Um, but again, if you don't like the taste of something, it doesn't matter if it's healthy. You're not going to enjoy it. So mm-hmm. you might as well turn to something else that does work for you, your taste buds and your body instead. And yeah. again, I'm, I was a chemist. I wasn't a nutrition major. So do all their own research on your own. I want to always make sure that I have that disclaimer, but that's been my approach is if I don't like the taste of a sweetener, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. I, that makes complete sense. And for that reason, I'll just stick to things like bananas or applesauce and, you know, rely on that for sweetness or, um, or dates, you know, and things like yep. that. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to do what works for you and your family too, because you're not just baking for you. <laughs> okay. So speaking of family, I feel like, first of all, I feel like I really need to meet your dad. Cause he seems like we are kind of like. You're on the same wavelength all yeah, the time. <laughs> we're like tummy twins or something. And your mom, you guys are close to, I'd love to know a little bit more about them. And were they, did they like to bake too? Or what are they like? <laughs> <laughs> um, just like you, very nice, oh. very into eating and love trying new foods. Um, but they were both scientists as well. Mm. I come from a family of scientists, sort of like the Big Bang Theory. That's that's essentially us. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so um, my mom, she cooked because she wanted to feed us, but it wasn't ever her thing. My dad loves to cook and loves to bake, but he never had the time because he was working really long hours as a scientist at the lab, the Livermore lab. Um, oh, yeah. And so, yep, yep, you know where it is because you're in the <laughs> Bay Area. So he's now semi-retired, which means he's cooking and baking all the time. And my mom says it's like having a personal chef now because they work from home because of the pandemic right now. And, you know, he'll just go and cook and do something every single day if he feels like cooking, you know, pizza from scratch and pasta from scratch. And he just loves it now that he's retired. Um, but he didn't do as much when I was younger, but for Thanksgiving, we, he would always go in the kitchen and you know cook all day long. And I loved doing that with him. Oh, okay. I have to ask what, what do you normally bake for Thanksgiving? <laughs> a lot of unhealthy stuff because it's a lot of the family recipes. So they let me put a healthier spin on some things, but other things they're like, no, don't touch that. We got to have the, the regular stuff. <laughs> What's the non-negotiable? <laughs> 
Uh, non-negotiable is the stuffing, which is probably technically dressing because we don't put it inside the bird, but we still call it stuffing. I know. I call it stuffing um, too, even though we don't put it in the bird anymore. <laughs> yeah. And we have a small family, but we still do enough to serve 16. So we love <laughs> the leftovers aspect. Um, sweet potatoes, they always have to have marshmallows on top. Always have to have a toasted marshmallow. So I can make the healthier version underneath of the sweet potatoes, but non-negotiable, the top has to be covered in the toasted marshmallows. Oh, that's so um, fun. Yeah, stuff like that. The pecan pie, I'm not supposed to touch. I have secretly touched it a little bit um, <laughs> and adapted the recipe a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, they've let me touch the pumpkin pie, so now we do my ultimate healthy pumpkin pie. But there, there are some things where it's like, nope, nope, we have to have the the regular stuff. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Okay. So I have to ask you, cause it's back to school too. Um, what are some good back to school treats that people love from your site? I think the breakfast cookies have been a huge hit. So mm. with my breakfast cookies, they have half the sweetness of quote unquote dessert cookies. So they have more of the sweetness level of a muffin, but the taste and texture of a cookie. And so they're great for breakfast, for snacks and whatnot. And so I think parents love those because the kids feel like they're getting a cookie. The parents feel like I'm feeding a kid something that's a little bit more nutritious with the oats, the whole grains, and that sort of thing. So that's been really big. Um, granola and granola bars. I do granola bar bites. I like cutting them to be sort of small squares, sort of bite-sized things that a little kid can just reach up and grab and eat in one or two bites. But oh, those that'd have be been, great in the lunchbox. Yeah. Yeah, so those are sort of the two classic, or three, I guess, if you count granola back to school things. Oh, but yeah. I'm not a parent, so I'm not at that point yet where I have to think about it. But those are sort of the, the recipes that are going a little bit, they're a little bit more popular this time of year. Whenever you get to that point, your kids are going to be the luckiest kids. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of kids, my daughter had a question for you. Okay. <laughs> she wants to know, what was the hardest cake that you ever decorated and will you send her cookies? And I was like, you know what? I'm not asking. <laughs> I told her I wouldn't ask the second question, <laughs> but I had to tell you just because I thought it was funny, but, and you don't have to send cookies, please don't. Um, but cake decorating, like she was just curious, what was the hardest one you've ever tackled? Cake decorating is not my forte to be Me honest. Either. <laughs> so I typically go with bunt cakes or pound cakes because they just take a drizzle. And there's not supposed to be any decoration. And they're already so. pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, it, it is something I want to do more of. That's sort of the, the cake decorating and the cake aspect is something that I want to dive more into. Um, so I think I only have a couple of layer cakes on the blog. And I just did the most simple, plain frosting, like a carrot cake. Two-layer carrot cake, cream cheese frosting. There's no decorations. It's just... The cake, I cut it into the slices. The inside's pretty, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. got the carrots. <laughs> and I think so, naked cakes are totally in. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that has probably been um the the hardest, which is so easy to be honest. Just to for for somebody who's supposed to be a fantastic baker, I focus on the cake inside, not so much the outside. And I also, um, spoiler alert, I don't really like frosting. So Neither do we. I mean, <laughs> I like a little bit, but I don't like a lot of thick, gooey. Frosting. I will scrape it off. I will scrape it off. That's what my kids do cake. too. <laughs> yeah, I I like cream cheese frosting because I like that it's not as sweet. I think that a lot of 
bakery frostings are just too sweet for my personal taste buds. Yeah. And then any sort of ganache style, just fudgy chocolate frosting. I would like those, but um, I'm not too big on frosting. But I do love to frost cupcakes because I think the swirls are really pretty. You and I are so similar. It's so funny. <laughs> um, okay. If you do have the opportunity to work at a bakery now, would you do it or would you not at this point? At this point, I think I would like to almost just be an intern for a day. Yeah. <laughs> my my best one of my best friends from high school. Um, we lost touch and then we reconnected in college and after. And she actually worked in a professional bakery for years. Um, and hearing her stories of getting up at three, three thirty in the morning, going to work, you know, being done with your day by two, going to bed between six and seven, that's just not something that I could do. I love my sleep. <laughs> so I think I would love to learn and go go work in a bakery just to learn, but to actually run a bakery myself, no. I love that I can have my own hours here that um, you know, if something fails, it's not a catastrophe. <laughs> it might oh, be to yeah. my to me, I'm crying, but like it's it's not a big deal and there's no pressure of um, like a bride not liking the wedding cake you put together oh, or, or a kid hating the birthday cake that you decorated or something. I just, I, I would feel so bad and I, I can't do that. So I would want to learn and work in a bakery to learn, but to actually work in a bakery as a living, I love blogging too much. <laughs> I agree. We have a pretty good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do. So we're coming to the end, but before I get to my closing questions, I thought it would be fun to do a little this or that just rapid okay. fire. Okay. So cake or pie? Right now, pie. We oh. have, and I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. That, but, no, no. Feel um, free to expand. I don't care. Story. <laughs> Here's the story. Um, so I live in San Diego right now and there's this thing in San Diego called Julian pies. And there's an orchard out in Julian where they grow all of the fruit um, that they make in these pies. And so their big thing is apple pie, but they'll do apple combo pies. Mm. So apple boysenberry is my family's favorite. During the, during the summer, they'll do um, rhubarb and strawberry. I know I just said that it's always apple or something. That's one caveat. Um, yeah. They'll do apple and peach. They'll do plain apple with the, and they'll do the top crust or they'll do Dutch style, which is our favorite again, because it just has the, yeah, the sweet sugary crumbles on top. Yes. So we love the boysenberry apple julian pie. And every time I visit my family, I have to bring a julian apple pie with me in the car to drive up from San Diego to the Bay Area. And so our big thing is pie. And therefore, right now, I'm just in a pie face. I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that because the next time I go down to San Diego, I will definitely stop by julian. I've never heard of them. So I wonder if my sister's and heard of them. The good thing is that they actually sell them in supermarkets down here in grocery stores. So I can just oh. go to Vons, which is Safeway's equivalent, yeah. just a different name. I can just go to Vons and get the Julian apple pie a mile from my house instead oh my of having God. to drive all the way to Julian. So I think Costco has them down here too, but that's that's our thing. So just look for them in the normal grocery store when you visit your sister. Oh, They're good. fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Okay, great. So macaron or macaroons? Macaron, the French ones. Agree. I don't like, I don't really like coconut. I like toasted coconut, but I don't like regular. Oh, like that's so interesting. Coconut. And I don't like coconut water either. <gasps> it's okay. I know. <laughs> More for you, right? More yeah. for you. <laughs> no, I'll take it. I'll take your share. Um, cheesecake or flan? 
cheesecake. Mm. Brownies or blondies? Brownies. They yeah. are my favorite dessert. Are they really? They are my favorite. Yes. Just the classic, super fudgy, like super gooey brownies mm. are my favorite dessert. It's just simple chocolate, just fantastic. However, I do not like coffee in my brownies because to me I just have sensitive taste buds that it tastes like a mocha (laughs) and I know to some exactly I know some people say it just accentuates the chocolate flavor but um I'm just I can taste the coffee separate from the chocolate so just Mm -hmm. pure chocolate god and I like coffee but but if you're gonna do a classic brownie (laughs) okay so follow-up question to that corner piece or middle piece middle always Mm -hmm. middle <laughs> um, ice cream or popsicles? Ice cream, but they both melt too fast for me to eat them. <laughs> Are you a slow eater too? I'm a slow <laughs> eater. That is so funny. I used to like have drips all over my arm because I was the slowest ice cream eater. That's so funny. Yes. I, what I do is I will ask for an ice cream cone in a cup. Yeah. Because otherwise it melts too fast. And I will either get a brain freeze or be super messy. So I have them turn it upside down and put the ice cream with the cone sticking at the top in a cup. Yes. So that I way you still get the cone crunch and yeah. And then you yep. can have, yeah, makes sense. Okay. Cobbler <laughs> or crisp? Crisp. I, um, I like the, the granola. The textury. texture of the top. Yeah. Yeah. But I, okay. I do, it's, I'm the most indecisive person in the world. So this is hard because it's like, <laughs> 55, 45, one way. <laughs> okay, but you're a Gemini like me, right? Wait, cancer. Are you, I'm cancer. Oh, you're a Cancer. Oh, you're after. Yeah. Okay. So last one, fruity tart or chocolate cake? Depends on if I'm making it or if it's store-bought. Oh, okay. So if you're making it. If I'm making it, chocolate cake. If I'm buying it, then fruity tart. Because again, this goes back to, I don't like things that are too sweet and mm. most store-bought chocolate cakes are too sweet for me. I love dark chocolate. Um, I actually, my favorite percentage right now is 95. Little fun wow. fact, like wow. super dark, which my mom lovingly refers to as dirt. And so, <laughs> <laughs> her limit is 72%, which I think is most normal people's limit yeah, is sort of yeah. that like anywhere from 65 to 72%, but I love the 95%. And so Again, most store-bought chocolate cakes are too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I tend towards the fruit tart or the carrot cake. But if I'm the one making it and I can control how much sweetness goes into the cake, then chocolate cake all the way. Oh, that's so funny. Your mom's so cute. <laughs> okay, so we're, um, we're up to our closing questions. Okay. So what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook? Salad. Absolutely a Salad. And if that's too involved, then something like a smoothie or a bowl of cereal. <laughs> oh, thank goodness for cereal. <laughs> I know, I know. And but another thing is I, I don't enjoy cooking nearly as much as baking, so I don't cook that often to begin with. Um, so it's sort of the like cook once, eat for a week, the whole meal prep thing or salads are fantastic. Yeah, that makes – you're like my mom. She hated to cook, but she loved to bake. <laughs> And I think, it's, I think it's the chemist in me too, where baking yeah. is just like chemistry. You need the precision. Whereas cooking, it, it involves chemistry, yes, but it's more of an art where you can taste as you go and mm-hmm. a little of this, a little of that. It's okay it's, if it's not perfect, but I am, I'm a perfectionist, a type A chemist. So, 
<laughs> What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Um, so the, the one recipe that I treasure the most on the blog, because there are recipes that I treasure a lot that aren't healthy enough to make it onto the blog, oh, where they're okay. the family recipes, like my grandma's peach pie, um, my grandpa's coffee cake, which there's a version of my grandpa's coffee cake on the blog. Um, but it's my, I'm trying to make it a little healthier, but the, the recipe on the blog that I love and treasure the most are my carrot cake oatmeal cookies. And because it's me, there's a story behind it. Um, and it's a two part story. And I know that we're over, but if you don't mind, I can tell the story. Go ahead. No, there's no <laughs> um, time limit. I just okay, don't want to okay. infringe on your time. <laughs> nope, not at all. I, I love telling stories as you can probably tell. So the story, the original story behind it was that I had moved home temporarily. It was in between apartments and I moved home the same exact week that my parents' kitchen demolition and renovation started. So when I moved in, there were no appliances. There were no cabinets. There was no floor. It was just concrete. They'd ripped out all the tile with no oven whatsoever. And here I am, I'm a food blogger. How am I oh supposed gosh. to like keep my blog going? But, the refrigerator was in the middle of the garage. It was plugged in. So if you needed milk for your cereal, you walked out to the garage, you grabbed the milk, you poured it into the bowl and you, you know, walked back out. So I figured out that they had this toaster oven, which was more of a true oven um, where it had the door that came mm -hmm. out and, you know, it could pull the rack out. It wasn't just that you put the two pieces of bread in and it pops up. Yeah. Their toaster oven actually functioned really accurately. And it was big enough that I could make a half batch of cookies. So I can make six cookies at a time. And if I set the, the temperature to 325 or 350 or 300, whatever it was, it held the temperature. And it baked in the same amount of time it was supposed to. So that turned out to be a godsend. And so there I was. I was trying to keep this food blog going. And I decided that I was going to make cookies. And I was going to make it in this toaster oven. And I remember asking my dad, and we were sitting in the little family room, should I use regu the regular holes of a box grater? Or should I use the, the smaller ones for fine grating cheese? Will it soften in it enough time? And he he didn't bake much because he didn't have the time, but he's still the baker's brain. And so we settled on the big hole, the normal sized holes, the big holes. Um, I made these carrot cake cookies and it was sort of a leap of faith. I wasn't sure if it was too out there because this was back when people um, were still mostly sticking to the classic things on food blogs. It wasn't yeah. too yeah. innovative. And um, so I made the cookies and because of the kitchen renovation, I only had about half an hour during the day where I could photograph them on the concrete in the kitchen that was no longer a kitchen. So, you know, I, I did this whole blog post and I put it up there and it was the first blog post that did really, really well. It didn't go viral by normal standards, but by me, who was a really small blogger at the time, it was viral to me. And it was the first time that I realized I could actually turn this into a business because people were making them and posting pictures on Facebook and Instagram had started to take off. And so they were posting pictures and tagging me on Instagram. Oh, wow. It was sort of that, that turning point in my blogging journey of this has been enough to pay most of my bills to all of a sudden I could actually make this a business. So there's all of this emotion that goes into it. And yes, they do taste fantastic too. And they're still one of my most <laughs> popular recipes, but those carrot cake oatmeal cookies there's so much meaning behind them that people don't necessarily see when they come to the blog that makes it really special. I love those hidden stories and those aha moments. And I'm so glad you shared it. And you're right. People like, you know, especially when they come from Pinterest, they might see a recipe, they come over and they don't realize, you know, 
you know, the true meaning behind each recipe and the love that we put into it and, and all the antics and how we got, how you were using like bare bones, practically camping. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think I love this about your blog too, that you still share the stories. I know a lot of people now just want the jump to recipe. And I understand as a busy person too, mm-hmm. that comes in so handy. And I don't necessarily have the time to read everyone's stories when I'm looking for the recipe, but I love telling stories and reading stories and learning about it. And so I know that there's one camp of people that very much is not into that thing. And they love to food blog be, or have their food blogs because of the recipes and the writing is just sort of supplementing it. But mm-hmm. I love that for you, the writing is still part of it. And it's the recipe and the writing, not just recipe. And oh, here's the writing for Google SEO. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. I mean, and that's and that's the reason why I enjoy yours too. It's just, I feel like, I mean, everyone can make a chocolate cake. We all can, but your chocolate cake and my chocolate cake, we could even make the same chocolate cake. Like we could like seriously make the same exact recipe, but what's going to make mine different from yours is just my perspective, my story, and yours will have your story. And I think that's what really also connects people to to one another when they can learn more about the person who who made it. So I think that's so important. I hope I will never stop with the stories. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I always I encourage people to still include it because I think, you know, even if yes. even if you're trying to climb the Google ranks, what really matters is your, you know, that little personal narrative. Yes. And I think what a lot of people have said to me over the years is I came for the recipes, but I stayed for your stories. Yes. And that I think that is what's just fills my heart is that we've created these communities and we don't even know how many lives that we're touching with our blogs. We just see the numbers on the back end. But when people will take the time to write a comment, even if it's not on the blog, if it's on Instagram, if it's an email, if it's a DM, just to, to take the time to say, I read your story and I'm going through that too, or I had that same situation or you know, that was my, that was the same thing that happened for my birthday party too. You know, whatever it may be, it might not be a struggle. It might just be a funny little anecdote, but Mm -hmm. to create the sense of community, that to me is what's so special about a blog compared to just a regular website is that there's that human aspect to it. Right. And there is your brother's, remember when you asked your brother, what's the difference between a blog and a website? Like, there you go. And a lot of people don't realize what the difference is and, or have forgotten maybe, but uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? And I think I know the answer. I bet you do. I am the neatest of neat cooks. (laughs) Where I I just, and it does, I think it goes back to my chemistry days too. It's not just that I'm type A, but in the chem lab, we only had between two and three square feet of space. And it was in a fume hood, which for someone who hasn't been in a chemistry lab before, it means that you've got this glass shield that's coming down to about your elbows. And so you, you have limited mobility where it's just your forearms in this space. Yeah. And um, you have such a limited small amount of space and the ingredients or the chemicals were so expensive and it was dangerous if you mix the wrong ones together. And so yeah. we had to be really neat and tidy at all times. And I've taken that into my kitchen lab <laughs> with <laughs> me where it's just I'm, I'm very neat at all times. That is very, very it's wise to be very careful in any chem lab. <laughs> um, what is a good kitchen tip? So I think that one of my favorite kitchen tips for baking 
is how to bring eggs up to room temperature quickly because um, in my recipes, I call for melted butter a lot of the time or melted coconut oil because it's easy and I don't always remember to set out butter or coconut oil like, in enough time to soften. So right. um, it's important to use the room temperature egg because a cold egg will click, quickly resolidify whatever you've melted and turn it right back into a solid. So what I do is before I've pulled out any ingredients whatsoever, I fill a glass or plastic microwave um, measuring cup with a cup of water. So it's one cup of water in that glass measuring cup. Stick it in the microwave for 30 seconds. And then I take my egg straight out of the fridge. Don't crack it. <laughs> Just put <laughs> the egg in the hot water, in the, in the warm water. And it should be about 10 minutes. So by the time you finish measuring out the flour, the baking powder, the salt, you've mixed that all together and you turn to the bowl that needs the egg, the egg should be at room temperature. Super, super good trick. I just use hot water yeah. out of the tap, but yeah, um, yours is probably much more fast and uh, <laughs> efficient. Yeah. Um, and if you, if, you're, if you have more than one egg, then you need to add a little bit more water and therefore bump up the microwave time. But if you're just doing one egg, I found one cup of water for 30 seconds in like a 1000 watt microwave. Yeah. It's I love that tip because baking with room temperature ingredients is so important. Unless if you're doing something like scones or, you know, you need the cold butter, but yeah. Yeah. Good tip. Um, on Friday, I like to share five little things, something that made me smile. Is there something that made you smile this week? Yes. So there's a lot of things, but the first thing that comes to mind is a couple nights ago, uh, my grandma and I were texting back and forth about a baseball game. And I just, I love that my grandma, she's in her eighties and yet she still has an iPhone. We're still texting back and forth. We send emojis, <laughs> bitmojis. We're talking about a baseball game and we're going back and forth about the pitcher bunting because we're both huge small ball baseball fans where, you know, you've got the bunt, you've got the singles. It's not just home runs. And that's the other fun fact about me is that I love baseball as much as baking, if not more. Wow. Did you play <laughs> so growing up? I played a year of t-ball and then realized that my career lay in being a professional fan rather than a <laughs> professional player. <laughs> so one year of t-ball experience, but I just love baseball. So that is what made me smile this week is texting my grandma back and forth during the top of the ninth where we're just hoping for the home team to win and going back and forth about the pitcher bunting and one outs, two outs, yay, they did it. And it was Aww. just, it just brings my heart so much joy that I can share that with my grandma and she, she lives a mile away. And so I get to see her a lot and I get to go to baseball games with her during normal non-pandemic times or watch baseball games with her on TV during COVID. And it's just so fun to have that connection with her. Oh, you're so lucky to have her still and to be able to share all this time with her. And gosh, and that she's so like phone savvy. That's so cute. Yes, I can't. So the other thing is I can't keep up with her. She's a New Yorker. And so she's always doing something. And prior to COVID, it was she would go to musicals or to shows or she would go to see the orchestra or I couldn't keep up with her. I'm like, yeah, it's 10 o'clock. It's my bedtime. You go, grandma. <laughs> but I just, I feel so, so fortunate to have her literally so close to me in my life and to be able to hang out with her and that she wants to spend time with me and that she and her best friend will invite me over for movie night. I just, I feel so Aww. lucky. And it always puts this big smile on my face that here are these two women who decide that they want me, the, the young something, to to tag along with them. So. Oh, well, you keep them young, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and it's special for you too. That's so cute. Oh, it is. 
<laughs> so Amy, I really, really enjoyed talking to you and seeing you again. Where can everyone find you? So the website is amyshealthybaking.com um, and Instagram, it's Amy's Healthy Baking, same with Facebook, with Twitter and Pinterest, Amy's Healthy Baking is too many characters, so it's Amy Bakes Healthy instead, but those are all the places. Oh, thank you, Amy, for spending time with me. It was, it was fun. We have to do this again. I know. Thank you for having me. It's a huge honor. You have had some of the most incredible people that are role models to me on your podcast, and so just <laughs> even consider inviting me to to come and spend this time with you. It's just the biggest compliment there is. Oh, you're the best, Amy. Thank you. <laughs> of course, thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you're able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Amy Atherton for joining us today. I hope you get a chance to try some of her sweet treats. Amy is the sweetest person and puts so much love into her healthier baking. If you love the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Um.